Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. On the 10th of October, two trade unionists in the Philippines were arrested on trumped-up charges. The two unionists were Kilosung Mail Uno, or the KMU, which translates to the May 1st Movement Labor Centre, the Kilosung Mail Uno International Officer Kara Tagao, and the Pasoda Piston, which is a union representing transport workers, Pasoda Piston President Larry Valbuena. The fabricated charges of assault, as well as a second charge of robbery, for which these two activists have served their arraignment, actually date back to a rally against the Anti-Terrorism Act in 2020. They were denied their right to due process as they weren't given a chance to be heard in a preliminary investigation on the complaint against them. In the first 100 days of the Marcos Jr. presidency, 10 people were extrajudicially killed, four people were abducted and are still missing, and 37 were arrested based on trumped-up charges, including Kara Tagao, who is my guest on today's program. Kara is the international officer for the Kilosung Mail Uno. It was September 22 that we learned that we have an, a, a case, a warrant of arrest, uh, stating that we have a robbery um, case uh, uh, filed by a police uh, officer. And uh, so the next uh, week, uh, the last week of September, we've posted bail for the said uh, case. Um, and then we learned that we had another case, which is um, the case of direct assault. So we couldn't find any papers, documents related to the case. And so we couldn't post bail for the, for the case of direct assault until after the arraignment of our trumped up robbery case um, on Monday, October 10. As we were stepping out of the regional trial court of the Quezon City, uh, we were suddenly um, uh, arrested by um, some personnel from the uh, QCPD, QC Police District, saying that we are being arrested on uh, the charge of direct assault and we were brought to Camp Caringal. And of course, I mean, you're referring to these as trumped up charges and we can see that they're trumped up charges. What do you yeah. think is the motivation behind yours and your comrades' arrest? Um, the, the incident that they're uh, taking the case from happened in uh, July 2020. It was um, an activity against the anti-terror law, which was attended by different sectors in the Commission on Human Rights grounds. Um, for whatever reason, the police, uh, maybe uh, the police asked for the leaders of the organizations that were present um, in the activity. And uh, Galari, uh, one of the leaders of Piston, and I were a uh, former leader of League of Filipino Students, was um, uh, mentioned uh, during the activity. Um, and we think that after a long time, since uh, they uh, threatened to file charges, um, we think that they decided to pursue th this case because uh, both Kalari and I are now in uh, the labor movement and um, 
organizing labor unions, trade unions, and we have been actively campaigning for the rights of workers, especially um, since the new administration came into um, being. Uh, we have been uh, doing dialogues with the new government officials. We have attended the International Labor Conference. Um, I, I personally was a delegate to the International Conference. Um, and so we've been having dialogues and we've been getting a lot of um, good news, um, commitments from different uh, congressmen, senators, and government officials about um, the, our campaigns for a wage increase, uh, for security of tenure and the uh, protection of uh, the freedom of association. And we think that uh, in order for the government or for the policemen to, to stop us or in some way um, divert our attention, it's one of their ways to harass and intimidate us um, as we pursue our different campaigns. So your campaign was the, the campaign for which you were arrested was yeah. around the Anti-Terrorism Act. It was a, um, some legislation that is, I would argue, being used to target um, yes. activists, communists, unionists, worker rights activists. There's also another, another one, the cyber libel law, which we know that in August this year, another comrade of yours, Walden Bellow, was arrested under this law. Can you talk a little bit about the Anti-Terrorism Act, the cyber libel laws, and the other general laws that are used to target activists? Yeah. Uh, the anti-terrorist uh, terrorism law, the cyber uh, criminal law, and other laws that um, have the same um, uh, basis of arresting individuals is uh, actually um, an attack to press freedom to the democratic rights of the people. For the people to, um, to be able to freely criticize the government, to freely believe in their um, principles and uh, in the virtues that they want to choose, um, it has been uh, an ongoing and uh, intensifying program of the government since the Duterte administration. And it's still continuing, as uh, Marcos has said, that he will uphold or continue the programs and policies of the Duterte administration. And um, we've been campaigning in the Philippines, uh, labor rights activists, human rights activists, we have been campaigning for... Uh, the, the, for the defense of press freedom, for the defense of democratic rights in the Philippines, but um, in the in the context, in the backdrop of the worsening crisis, um, the rising inflation, rising unemployment, um, the lack of support from the government, um, it is only right and just for the people to demand the government uh, to give the to give their. Uh, uh, for, uh, to demand the government to give the rights of the people to address the, the worsening problems, economic and health, uh, social problems. But um, instead of addressing these issues, the government has been on a role of uh, attacking the rights of the people. And uh, we believe that um, Anti-Terrorism Act uh, and other laws that, uh, Anti-Terrorism Law and the other laws that um, uh, of this are that are of the same um, uh, policy as a uh, silencing the criticism and dissent of the people. It's um, a way of the government to, to silence the people instead of addressing the economic and um, social issues that we are currently facing. 
And are you able to tell me what is the National Task Force to End Local Communist Armed Conflict? What is that? I know that was introduced by President Duterte. He's he's not there anymore. Marcos Jr. is there now. What is this law? Will it remain in place? Yes. Um, the, uh, the National Task Force to End Local Communist Armed Conflict was actually um, established under the memorandum of the, the former president, uh, Duterte, where they established um, an interagency or the different agencies of the government um, being uh, uh, in, a, in a task force implementing um, supposedly anti-communist um, programs and policies. And therefore, um, each government agency that are part of the National Task Force are obliged to give part of their budget to the National Task Force, which is uh, being implemented, which is mainly headed by military officials and the president, of course. Um, and we've seen so far that instead of um, these uh, uh, budgets uh, being allotted to social services uh, for the people, um, these budgets that are going to the National Task Force, they are being used to red tag. They are going all over the Philippines, um, inside schools, inside workplaces. They are holding forum, fora, uh, let's say, uh, say fora. And um, in the discussions that they, uh, they do inside schools and workplaces, they say that the um, civil, civil society organizations, critical individuals are communists. And therefore, if they are communists, they should and members of the uh, or fronts of the CPP, NPA, NBF, they don't deserve to be um, roaming free, to be doing what they are doing freely, um, and basically painting activism as a terrorist crime. And so um, the National Task Force has, has not only been doing propaganda against um, civil society organizations, but also the worst they have done is to uh, intimidate, harass um, different groups and organizations, individuals who are doing um, social work on their own uh, rights. Um, and the worst that has just come was that um, other labor organizers, uh, other activists have been arrested based on illegal, uh, uh, based on trumped up charges. And others have been killed on the basis of a red tagging, such as our um, former National Council officer, Dandy Miguel, who was shot dead uh, near his uh, workplace. And such as the different uh, political prisoners arrested under the Duterte administration, um, case in point, Paul Diuya, um, also a National Council member of KMU, who was arrested because of supposedly um, uh, bearing uh, illegal possession of uh, firearms and um, other materials. So that has been the, the, uh, the doings of the National Task Force. Um, despite our call for the budget to be realigned to social services. In the first 100 days of Marcos Jr.'s presidency, mm-hmm. 10 people were extrajudicially killed, four people were abducted and are still missing, and 37 were arrested based on trumped-up charges, you uh, being among them. Can you talk to me a little bit about the human rights situation in the Philippines, not just for activists, unionists, but even lawyers and um, activist priests and those people? Yes, definitely. Um, as we have said, it, 
the the situation of human rights in the Philippines has uh, it has greatly worsened and during the Duterte administration's time. Um, the wars that uh, it was implemented um, attacking not only activists, not only priests, not only lawyers, but Oplan uh, Tokhang, which was supposedly a war against uh, drugs, was was used to to kill thousands of ordinary people, whether they were users or drug dealers. We were we we're not sure. We couldn't do any investigations, further investigations, because they were killed on site, including children, minors. Uh, women, uh, people who do not know about drugs, uh, who do not deal with drugs at all. Um, and so we, we have a new administra- administration, President Marcos, um, which was also, which, uh, whose candidacy was also questioned strongly by the people uh, because of his family background. Um, coming from uh, of, of his father being uh, the dictator in, of Mar- uh, of, in the Philippines during the martial law. And his family's denials of the crimes that they have done to the people. And um, if, you, if you think about it, if someone who denies the crimes that they have done to the country uh, wins as president, what do we expect? Uh, what, do we, what, do we, what do we expect when, when he learned from his father who also implemented extrajudicial killings, salvages of ordinary people, um, of priests, of lawyers, of um, press uh, and journalists, uh, press workers and journalists. So it's not only an, an attack, a threat to activists who are critically voicing out their concerns and criticisms of the government, but of the ordinary people and different professions doing what they think should be done to give services to the people. And um, it's, like, um, it's like showing that this kind of policy against, is against humanity, against people who, who are humane, uh, who do good for the people because um, the government is lacking. <laughs> and um, the people, everyone, different from different organizations and even individuals, uh, who are serving the people in their own um, um, understanding in their own way because the government is lacking. It's, it's, we are being attacked. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. On today's program, I speak with the international officer of the Kilosang Mao Uno, the militant labour centre in the Philippines, Kara Tagao. She was recently arrested and bailed on trumped-up charges brought about to try to stifle dissent and resistance in the Philippines. Well, has any of this impacted Marcos Jr.'s popularity? I know he ran a massive propaganda campaign that really um, concealed a lot of him and his family's human rights abuses and that kind of thing. But has his first 100 days of um, presidency exposed him and has it impacted his popularity? Yeah. Um, I have not. I don't. I can't remember the the surveys. Um, the institutions that did the service on the popularity of the, the new president. But I, I do remember that um, the popularity of, uh, of Marcos has decreased because of uh, his failure to address 
the inflation and rising prices in the Philippines. It's uh, it's because in the first 100 days of the of uh, President uh, Marcos, he's been throwing parties and um, a very extravagant activities for his cronies or um, well his friends. Let's say his friends has been to Singapore to attend um, a raising activity, <laughs> a car raising activity with his family. He's been going to different activities, spending billions of pe uh, people's funds. But um, the people are calling for the, the government to address the rising uh, prices of basic necessities. And it is uh, this reason, um, and it is for this reason, reason that the people are um, questioning his, uh, his capacity to, to lead the country. And how are the KMU and other social movements organizing and responding to all of these attacks, the attacks on civil liberties, freedom of speech, but also the failure to respond to, um, you know, the, the what you've mentioned, the rising inflation, cost of living and um, unemployment. Yeah. Um, so for KMU, it has been our longest, uh, a long time, a principle of us to organize workers in different workplaces and even in communities. Um, same with other civil society organizations, social movements. We're working with students, with the youth, with women, priests, uh, environmentalists, everyone in the different uh, sectors of society. So we have been going to different communities. Um, and um, just to share, there has been a rise of uh, community pantries um, in the form of giving. It's like a giving uh, um uh, from the people who have extra, they give back to the people who has less. Um, and so the people are working together without the government because the government is not in action. Um, and that's what we've been doing. We've been giving, uh, we've been helping with the relief operations, donations. Um, we've been going to communities and workplaces to organize, to hold, uh, to conduct um, educational discussions and forum on the current situation of the country. Uh, and even we've been, and we've been even um, uh, bringing leaders, uh, community and workers leaders, to the Congress, to the Senate, um, to the Department of Labor, in order for them to engage the government with the current crisis that we are facing. Um, the problem is that with whatever we're doing, uh, the, it's it's like the government is is not uh, allowing us to do what we're doing. That's and that's why they are doing. Uh, intimidation, harassment, uh, filing of illegal, uh, of Trump, trumped up charges, um, uh, and everything that they've been doing, um, and so we we were forced. We are forced to the the organizations are forced to to engage with the government uh, further and to file uh, counter charges or in some way um, make the people know that. Uh, the government is not doing its job. It's doing uh, scare tactics, terror tactics uh, to, to, to make a stop from helping the people. Um, so what we've been doing is that we've been also engaging with the different uh, government institutions that are related to human rights um, and labor rights uh, uh, issues, such as the Commission on Human Rights, 
the Department of Labor and Employment, the Department of Justice, Supreme Court, National Bureau of Investigation, and even in the Congress and Senate. We've been lobbying for the protection, investigation of uh, the worsening human rights in the country. And to uh, and for the government officials to uh, uphold or promote policies that will protect the rights of the people. And aside from that, uh, we've been uh, engaging with international instruments that will allow the world to know what we've been doing in the Philippines. So we have the United Nations, the, of course, the ICC. We have the International Labor Organization, um, to, which, uh, to all of which the, the government um, seems to be and uh, seems to not want to respond because they are saying that these international organizations are are outside the Philippines and should have no business in the Philippines. <laughs> so um, while it's funny that the government, uh, it's it's like the government officials do not know the processes, um, the democratic processes that are available for the people. And currently um, in KMU uh, and together with the different trade union centers in the Philippines, we are pushing for the urgent um, acceptance of the government of the ILO high-level mission, which has long been delayed. And we want this to, to push through in order to have the, um, uh, to put to light the different attacks uh, that we have faced in the past uh, years. And for, in order for the international community to see how, 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 we have, how we've been doing in the Philippines, uh, how we are facing these different attacks and how to get uh, how to get um, uh, stronger support from the different organizations outside of the Philippines to support the campaign of the Filipino people. Well, that links in with my next question, which is if there were people listening to this interview that really wanted to support and show their solidarity, what are the best ways that people can assist? I mean, that includes uh, specifically the charges that you're facing, that even though you're out on bail, there is still um, yeah. a process after that. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Um, it's not only uh, me and Kalari who are facing this uh, fleet, there have been trade unionists, um, labor organizers before us who were arrested on trumped up charges and that are even worse and non-bailable cases and who remain in prison for, for the crimes that they, were, that they did not do but are, they are facing. And for us, we are going to continue to face the court and um, to clear our names and of course, to clear the name of KMU all the different organizations that we are associated with. Um, but we have a national campaign for the uh, advancement of, for the protection of human rights in the Philippines. And we hope that to every listener out there, you are able to support us by spreading the, the information, the news of what's happening in the Philippines. We will be gladly um, happy to join you in the different forum, conferences, and discussions that you are going to hold. Um, and for us to have um, a short discussion or a few minutes of talk of what's happening, happening in the Philippines, um, awareness, uh, raising awareness of what's happening. It's a big, uh, it's already a big step, um, a big deal for us in terms of the solidarity that we are getting from outside the country. And of course, there are ongoing, um, there are ongoing online uh, signature campaigns, online petitions for um, the, the conditions of uh, human rights in the Philippines and for uh, particularly for the labor movement. There's an ongoing online petition to support the 
urgent call for the ILO high-level mission to finally happen in the Philippines. At the same time, we are also, of course, accepting uh, solidarity statements, uh, material and financial support for the different uh, activities that we are doing. It could be, uh, you could be donating for the legal campaign of KMU or you could be donating to the relief operations and donations and even workers' fair activities and forum that we are doing in the communities and workplaces. So uh, there are different ways, but then, um, of course, um, uh, the best way is to continue to, to stand with the different people in the world uh, fighting for their rights, for their democratic rights, um, and joining different protest activities and actions to, to, to engage the different governments uh, in terms of the, what's happening in the Philippines. And that's all we've got time for on today's program. That was Kara Tagao, the international officer of the Kilosung Mao Uno. She was recently arrested and bailed on trumped-up charges brought about to try to stifle dissent and resistance in the Philippines. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. Music for Accent of Women was written and produced by George Kanjeri. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.